Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. If you care about sex abuse, if you care about integrity, if you care about people being honest about their credentials... There's a huge lesson from Rob, that Robbie Zacharias teaches us, and it's not about what a nasty, what a what a naughty boy he was. It's about systemic problems in evangelical Christianity. Right. It's too easy to call yourself a doctor when you're not. It's too easy to abuse women and then blame and have the old boy network huddle together and um, and and disparage and bully and by the silence of the victims. This is just uh, a, a systemic problem, and take it seriously. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. I'm sitting down with Steve Boffman in... Uh, I've been following Steve pretty uh, closely the last couple uh, weeks, especially because uh, he's been running a site called RaviWatch.com, uh, really focusing in on the scandals surrounding Ravi Zacharias. Uh, I don't need to really describe who that is to anyone in my audience. Uh, very famous apologist, uh, even in independent Baptist circles, was very well respected uh, constantly. I, I can't say how many times I saw the clip, you know, why do you lock your doors at night? I mean, he was constantly passed around um, as an expert in the faith, defending the faith about reconciling science and theology. Um, But he's been wrapped into some pretty severe scandals. Um, But before we get into all of that conversation, I want to know a little bit about you, Steve, and just kind of what your background is. Like what, what drew you to start actually looking at someone like Ravi and saying like, okay, something's really off about this guy. Let's start diving in here. Yeah, I, I grew up, uh, uh, first of all, I'll say I, I, I'm an atheist. Um, and there's always a range of atheists. Like some days I'm 98% sure. Some days I'm only 78% sure there's a fluctuation, but I consider myself that because func- as a, I'm a functioning atheist because I don't pray. And no matter how much I want something, I don't pray for it. 
But um, I, I grew up around missionaries in Southeast Asia and was always very drawn to the conservative Christian faith. They mainly Southern Baptists were the folks I hung out with. And I was fa- favorably disposed to them as people and towards their 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 religion. I just could never, and as much as I tried and as, as much as I had certain born-again experiences and made commitments to Christ and did the whole thing, I could never shake this still small voice in me that said, it ain't really true. And finally, when I was 20 or just about to turn 20, I said, I can't run from this anymore. I was leading uh, the music at my Bible studies at college, and I was sort of a big shot in the Christian scene, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I I moved off to a different college, and I decided that I can't keep faking this. I got to acknowledge that I don't really believe this. But I kept looking into it, and I've been taking classes and part-time graduate philosophy student in, in, at a seminary or at a, a at a series of seminaries here in the Bay Area. And in 2015, I um, discovered this guy named Ravi Zacharias. And I was really, really impressed. He was articulate. He, he had Cambridge and Oxford credentials. And I saw him make a profoundly powerful article about prophecy in the book of Daniel. And I just had to tell myself, Steve, if that is true, um, and I have no reason to disbelieve it, given this guy's credentials, if Daniel really did predict Alexander the, Re- the Great centuries before, I need to reconsider my worldview. And I looked into it, and it's not so much that I found that Ravi was wrong about the dating of the book of Daniel. That, as you may know, is a really controversial issue. What I found is that he'd misled his audience into thinking it was a settled, it was a settled degree, uh, a settled issue, that Daniel was written in such and such a century, and Alexander the Great came hundreds of years later. That's really controversial, and Ravi didn't let his audience know that. And that struck me as dishonest. And then I began looking into him. And the first thing I noticed was that he didn't have a doctorate. I was under the impression from his own press materials that he had multiple doctorate degrees. And I just assumed they were they were academic doctorates because they were there was no indication that they were honorary. You know, the protocols are you put doctor honorary H-O-N, and then you clear up all confusion. Ravi didn't do that. He didn't do that at his website. He didn't do that in most of his promo materials. And then I found that he didn't have a a doctorate and I didn't like the way his ministry responded when I started presenting these early findings to to them Mm. about Ravi's credentials. In particular, they cut me off completely when I discovered that Ravi had never been a visiting scholar at Cambridge, one of his most impressive claims. And a a frequent claim. It's a very impressive claim. And the day I found that out in May it was May or June of 2015. I remember it well. Cambridge finally confirmed, nope, this guy has never been one of our our, our uh, um, visiting scholars. The minute and I shared that uh, email with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, they cut off all contact with me, mm. right? And that just got me thinking, these folks are hiding something. And I never in my wildest dreams would have imagine that it got to all sorts of horrible sex abuse stuff, the stuff we're just finding right. out about now. Um, so I kept digging and found more and more credential dirt and more and more stuff that he just made up about his life story. And then in 2017, along came the uh, the Thompson, the, the, the lawsuit he filed against the woman he'd been having a sexting uh, grooming relationship with. 
So that's basically what got me interested in Ravi. And it's been a five and a half year project. And I'm really looking forward to it being over because I'm tired of it. And, you know, it's ugly. And I've met some wonderful people, but I've met some real lowlifes also. Um, And it's just draining, you know. Yeah. What? So, I mean, obviously, um, so you mentioned you were, you know, you were already out of the faith at the time you discovered Ravi presented some compelling information. Um, but like you mentioned, it's now been a five and a half year journey. Um, so there's always kind of two, two types of people when they leave a situation, like whether it's a faith or whether they leave a, a cultish environment, whether they leave, you know, any kind of negative environment, they tend to either leave and never look back and move on and, and go forward. Or there's people who turn around and start sounding the alarm and I'm in the category of the latter. Um, and, and you are as well. Um, what was it that kept you interested? What kept you from just going like eyes ah, full of it? Like I'll just move on. Uh, was it just a desire for the truth to be out or was it specifically just because, you know, you've, you thought like, Oh, he's probably going to persuade other people who are like me by just telling a straight up fabrication. Oh yeah. No, good, good question. I actually was shocked that I was the only one looking into this stuff. And so I didn't feel that I could just drop it. I knew that his ministry had been lying and I knew that he'd been lying. And I also was surprised how nobody else seemed to have have caught on to this. And I figured, well, if if I don't keep going with this, he's going to get away with it. And so I just was determined to, to, to look into as much of his credential stuff as I could. Um, simply because I thought it was important. He's a very, very prominent guy. He's selling books that say he's Cambridge educated and the author bio. Wow. He's using this credential stuff. It's consumer fraud. It's it's um, highly dishonest and it's basically unfair competition with us atheists who don't have degrees. Bobby <laughs> can get up there and start saying I'm a professor at Oxford, which he said it was a oh, lie, yeah. but he said it, <clears throat> widely said it. And I was just pissed off about that. I thought yeah. you can't go doing this. And the Christian tribe is letting him get away with this. This is one yeah. of the things that really got me and that really gets me still. Christian uh, apologist, a guy I really respect, John Stackhouse in Canada, hmm. PhD, good scholar, um, nice guy, good Christian. Um, he says that 20 some years ago, he started worrying about people calling Ravi on his credential puffing. He said evangelicals knew over 20 years ago that Ravi was puffing puffing his credentials. How many of them spoke out? Zero. Yeah. And it's the oddest damn thing that it took a internet banjo atheist uh, in 2015 to say, this looks fishy, this looks dishonest, this looks sleazy, this looks like consumer fraud, and to break the story. And that's something that my Christian friends really need to be looking into, you know, cause yeah. they dropped the ball big time on this. Well, I think, I, I think I can speak to that a little bit and I, I, I see it happen with abuse cases, which obviously there is some of that, a lot of that with Ravi's story. Um, but I think what I've seen with churches I've interacted with, with pastors I've been on the phone with who, you know, I've had private conversations with who are very upset about what I'm doing. I think people assume that, and again, it's insecurity. We circle back to what we were talking about before we even started doing the episode. There's this insecurity of if Ravi, who is the person who is convincing people that we're right, who's who's great for the brand right now, if he is a fraud, that's going to make Christianity as a whole look like a fraud. 
Uh, same thing with, with abuse. When I see a pastor who's abusive, other pastors will say, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need, you know, let the law deal with it. We'll be quiet about it because it's going to make the church look bad. I've heard that so many times. And the opposite is true. When it comes out and you didn't say anything, you look far worse than if you say, hey, this happened, it should never have happened, and this is what we're doing to address it moving forward. Well, also, there are specific commands in the holy, the official holy documents of the Christian religion. You call them the New Testament, I call them the official holy documents. Ephesians 5.11, expose the darkness. I mean, if Christians really believed that God is in control and that God has given them a duty to expose the darkness, they're going to expose the darkness, even if it's going to be really, really bad for business, even if it's going to hurt the church, right? Right. Don't play along with the lies because you think it's going to hurt the church. If you really believe in God, you're going to say, this is what God wants us to do. So we're doing it. And this whole Robbie thing has made me wonder how deeply evangelical Christians really believe in God, you know? There's just too much behavior that is really inconsistent with believing that God has his eye on the sparrow and that Mm -hmm. God is going to hold us all accountable. If you believe that stuff, you don't worry about exposing Ravi Zacharias because it's going to hurt your job. It's going to hurt your your, your church attendance. It's going to cut down on publishing sales. It's going to hurt the church as a whole. You do it because you feel that that's what God has commanded you to do. But people didn't. Yeah. What, are it, we it, supposed to make, what does that say about their level of belief in yeah. the religion that many of them are making their livings doing? Yeah. yeah it's, it, and I think a lot of that really started making sense to me. I, I mentioned Kristen Dumay. I did an interview with her kind of talking through her book, Jesus and John Wayne. And when you start looking through the lens of power and you start recognizing that many people are are using, you know, religion and in, in, in politics, but religion in this case for power and political advantage and, and, even power over women, power over, you know, different races, different, you know, when you start seeing it like that, it, a lot of actions seem very consistent with that kind of use of, of religion. They don't seem consistent with Jesus Christ, who was calling out religious institutions left and right. And, and this, I think, is probably, other than the extent of sex abuse in evangelical Christianity, the biggest lesson for me in, in the Ravi Zacharias investigations I've done is that I am I was extremely naive growing up with Southern Baptists and good church people, and, and I love them, and I never had a bad experience with my church community. I love them. Even when I left, I still felt good about the traditions, about the mm-hmm. culture, about the people, but I was really naive to assume that I should expect God Incorporated to behave better than Tobacco Incorporated, right. you know? There's no reason to think that, and they don't really. Yeah. Um, so that was a real wake-up call for me that happened in the last five years. And I think, no, I should have, I should not have been this naive about them. And they've shown themselves time and again. And I don't just mean evangelicals; I mean religious folks in yeah. general. They're, I'm not saying they're worse than my camp, but they're no better. And I don't know that we should expect them to be better. And that really right. should be the most important lesson: is Christians aren't any better than the rest of us when it comes to handling um, uh, sex abuse, financial crimes, power abuse, egomania, celebrity culture. They're as as smitten and as bewitched by that as the rest of us, and they are no more courageous than the rest of us about rooting it out. Yeah, 
Right. And I think that's a good thing to remember, not to keep sort of suddenly expecting the church to be a little better than the rest of us. That's how we get in trouble. You know, right. Church isn't any better than the rest of us. Right. Right. Yeah. When you have that elevation of somebody, and, and again, that's what happened with Robbie is you, you elevate someone to say like, they are the moral compass of the movement or they are this, yeah. when you put someone in that position and you put enough human beings in that position, you're going to come across a bad human being who uses it to their advantage. Right. And, and, and my, my point is also that it's not just putting Ravi on a pedestal. It's putting the, the institutions that right. enable Ravi yeah. on a pedestal and saying, we expect these, these powerful men and women, mainly men, uh, talk the talk. They've, uh, dedicated their lives to this. We expect them to take the gospel seriously, but we shouldn't really. I mean, why yeah. should we expect them to be uh, any more honest than tobacco company executives when it right. comes to marketing their product? Right. I can't yeah. think of any reason anymore other than naivete, which I have, uh, thanks to this gentleman here, um, <laughs> you know, I I have overcome. Yeah. And uh, and it's uh, it, it was a real wake up call. Right. So, so walk me through, so obviously it starts with credentials. It's kind of, it's kind of, it is very serious stuff, but it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost ridiculous. Like, it's almost like, how do you think you're going to get away with just totally lying? He, he always, he ever, almost every time I heard him speak, he would mention being a visiting scholar at one of these colleges and, and things like that. Um, but, but the minute the Lorianne Thompson story breaks, which, which, I mean, again, that's a huge step up from credential fraud and things like that. Like this is a very serious story. Tell me about the time that you discovered Lori's story and kind of how that changed the way you were thinking about everything you were approaching thus far. Okay. Yeah. If, if you don't mind, Eric, before we get to that, I, yeah. I just want to talk about something that is not often discussed about Ravi because it's not as sexy as what happened in 2017 and right. the, the abuse stuff. And now we know about the spas. But one of the really important things to keep in mind about Ravi is he was a deceptive guy. And at the earliest times of his career, he was working behind the scenes to make himself look better than he was. Mm. And one incident that I happened to stumble across was he called himself by a certain title um, when he was working at a, uh, at a seminary his, his, uh, in, I think, 1980, he had a job at Alliance Theological um, seminary in Nyack, New York. And he was using a title that the human resources director told me the president didn't want him to have. But Ravi got away with it because he was Ravi. Even in 1980, he was this charismatic Billy Graham of India, and nobody called him on it. And this is this is a fascinating example of how behind the scenes, early in his ministry, He's lobbying for for stuff that's going to make him look better than he really is. Lobbying for certain titles, and when he didn't get it, he used it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And that tells us a lot about. That explains a lot of the stories he told for the rest of his career. Uh, stories that don't sound quite right, that sound a little fishy. Well, they are fishy. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, and a lot of these things are seem a little trivial now compared to the sex stuff yeah. that's come out later. But imagine if Ravi's colleagues at the Alliance Theological Seminary in 1981, 82, 83 had said, Ravi, you can't do this. 
No. You can't go call yourself um, by a certain title that that you don't really have, or you can't just call yourself Dr. Zacharias without disclosing that it's an honorary doctorate. Imagine if some of his colleagues and his Christian colleagues who were full-time in ministry and supposedly dedicated to this gospel that values truth, imagine if they'd said you can't do this. How different would Ravi Zacharias have turned out? Probably a lot different. But the message he got from his Christian colleagues in the God business was, you can do whatever you want. If you're successful at it, we don't really care if you're telling the truth. We're going to turn the other way. It's like Jesus said, turn the other way, not turn the other cheek. And it's a fascinating thing. Now, the Ravi, the the Thompson matter, I remember I was in North Carolina teaching um, banjo and guitar, and uh, I got an... I was notified that this lawsuit had just been filed and I went online to the federal website and read about it. This was, uh, I think it was my birthday, August 1st, 2017. The, the, the lawsuit had been filed on the 31st of July and I was made aware of it. And I was stunned because I never thought Ravi had sexual misconduct in his life. I thought Mm. he was just an egomaniacal guy who loved his wife dearly and uh, would lie to make the the kingdom of God better. Um, But the lawsuit was carefully drafted to, for public relations. It was legally vapid. There's no way in hell they were going to win that lawsuit, that Ravi was going to win that lawsuit. It wasn't calculated to win. It was calculated as a public relations document and um, and it did its trick. It was about um, an ex- an elaborate extortion scam that a Canadian couple had pulled against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, inherently implausible, loaded with suspicious accusations by Ravi, um, and it was on its face just a court would have probably tossed it pretty yeah. quickly, but it scared the crap out of the Thompsons and it brought them to the negotiating table. Uh, where a few months later, Ravi paid them $250,000 for a non-disclosure agreement. Right. Um, Ravi was funded in that lawsuit. He had a big donor who said, I'm going to pay for this. Um, the Thompsons would have been into this for it. I mean, legal fees could have been many hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, plus years of federal litigation in Atlanta. I mean, this would have consumed their lives. And with Ravi's highly paid Atlanta and Boston legal team, pit bull lawyers from what I was told, uh, what I was told, um, hounding this couple who just wanted to go raise their family and a few little kids. um, He brought them to the negotiating table. And to this day, they are under a a obligation not to disclose what had really gone on uh, between her and Ravi. Mm -hmm. And Ravi's wife now has the power to lift that NDA and she's apparently having none of it. There's too much dirt about Ravi that is in the Thompson's file. And uh, the Zacharias family is determined at this point not to let that come out. Right. Yeah, it's it. Um, you know, the, the, the Thompson story is I forget when I when I found out about it, it was it was not long after it happened. Um, but I, I remember it happened. I remember the I remember the response to it being you know hey they're just looking for money they're going after the ministry it's an attack on you know everyone was going it's an attack on on a good man and and things like that and um, yeah but when you look at the when you look at the way you know even the emails are written when you look at the way that it's very clearly him you know like it's it's written 
it's very, very clear what the truth was. But again, it speaks to being in that culture of denial where it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been this. Suicide. He threatened suicide if she told if she confessed their uh, their relationship to her husband. And then when Christianity asked Christianity Today asked him about that, he said, I can't comment. You know, it was, no. he, he never denied that the emails were legitimate. No. Um, but what was astonishing about that is how uncritical the evangelical world was in, uh, in forming their opinions. They, with almost without exception, people assumed that Ravi was telling the truth and he was a poor victim of this nasty, vicious extortionist couple up in Canada, who for some reason just decided that they needed money, and the best way to get it would be to extort money from a famous international pastor with unlimited resources. The theory that Robbie came up with was stupid, but the public swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And that's another big lesson here um, about for for the evangelical world. Your leaders will lie to you. They yeah. lie to you all the time. They will mm-hmm. lie to courts. They're no better than tobacco ink. So stop being naive about Christian leaders. Right. So the, the Thompson story really stops there. I mean, that the NDA kind of did slam this into the ground where it was, it was, it was frozen. Uh, But what blew me was so, so when Ravi passed, uh, you know, I, I already at that point was at the point where I was, I was tired of seeing people heralding him as this great, Titan of the faith. Um, because it, again, even for me looking in, I'm going like, that's so clearly Ravi. It's so clearly not a sensical story you know, of what's happening. He very clearly lied about his credentials. He was built on this big platform of, of dishonesty. And, you know, then obviously he became ill, passed away. And I think that helped establish him as a martyr because he was suffering in his final days for, for Jesus, you know, essentially. And and I'm not saying that to be crass or disrespectful. I, I mean that truly that's how it was phrased that people were posting pictures of him on his deathbed, you know, and saying, you know, what a, what a life he had lived. Um, but it it was astonishing to me that that was the general mood that there was still this huge, sense around him of him being this titan of of the faith what did shock me even more than the thompson thing because again you can look at that and say you know if you're going to excuse it away at all you're going to say okay that was an affair it, you know it was it wasn't necessarily illegal initially you know there's all those things you can say like okay he just shouldn't have been in ministry there's a lot of things there that shouldn't have happened but when you ca- when you come into the i think it was maybe through um it was either through Christianity Today or it was through Julie Roy's um, initial report. But when you get into him owning massage parlors, when you get into all of that, that caught me totally off guard. Like that was where that knocked me off my feet completely when I read that. Um, well, you and me both. I'll tell you, um, when Ravi died, I think it was May 24th or May 20th, right around then. Um, I thought, okay, my Ravi work is over. Yeah. I'm going to write a couple wrapping up things, and then I'm going to be done with this. Right. A few days after he died, I got an email to ravivatch.com from someone saying, I knew him really well for years. He was a, he was a sexual pervert, and he was in the massage business. And I checked it out a little bit, and this person seemed legit. She was from the area um, and 
it turns out that there were these massage places that she mentioned, but I didn't want to publicize the story because I have no credibility in the Christian world and I didn't have any more evidence. So I thought, damn it, I'm going to have to just let this story lie. I now really believe that Ravi owned massage spas in Georgia, but I can't publicize this. So I sat on it. And about six weeks later in July, early July, I got a call from Anurag Sharma. I got a guy named Anurag Sharma, um, thick Indian accent, charming guy, wanted to talk to me about spiritual matters. And uh, at the end of our conversation, he says he was a good friend of Ravi's and he wanted to know how I was processing the grief of Ravi being gone and all this. I said to him, Mr. Sharma, before you go, do you know anything about Ravi being in the massage business? And he said, I never forget this, Eric. I was in the massage business with Ravi exact words. And I, my, my jaw just dropped and I needed to keep this guy on the phone. I couldn't let him go with that. And I said, how would I know that? And he gave me a video. He referred me to a video on YouTube, Javan wellness, J I V A N wellness grand opening. It's right there still on, on, on YouTube. You can go check it out. Javan wellness grand opening. And there is Ravi Zacharias and Anurag Sharma, this man who I'd spoken to at the grand opening of their spa in Georgia. And that was enough to get me investigating more. And I found another woman who had been abused by Ravi in the spas. And I figured uh, this is a huge story. And I had a Christian colleague who I brought, who I was working with on this. And we decided to give the story to Christianity Today rather than me publicize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Christianity Today took it and did a fantastic job. They yeah. were more interested in doing a thorough job and they were taking too long. So I just told Daniel, the editor, of, uh, the, the, the reporter, I said, I got to put my video out. You guys are taking too long. And he said, fine, we're going to do a thorough job. Put your video out. So I put my video out because I really wanted the Christian press to hear this story, to hear from my two witnesses and to hear from Anurag Sharma and know that Ravi had a spa and he was abusing the women. This was explosive stuff. And so the Christian press took took the video and they ran with it and they really did a fantastic job investigating. And now the rest is history. Ravi's reputation is in tatter, his ministries on life support. And we know um, a lot more about this seedy side to the man than we ever dreamed possible. Right. But can you you think of what would have happened if that woman had not sent me that email? You know, Mike Pence went to the funeral, went to his memorial service and talked about what a good man, a godly man who spoke truth, Ravi Zacharias was. We had no idea about any of this. It had been kept a secret for years. Right. And he almost got away with it. One person broke that story, sending it to me. And then I was able to confirm. Scary to think of what else is there that we don't know about. Well, I mean, and we're finding out more and more. I mean, it seems like every day there's, there's constant developments, more people, there's more stories like, you know, cause it, when it first dropped, it was like, it, it was like, Oh, it's really weird. They had these places. It's weird. And now it's, you know, more descriptive of what he was requesting of the workers there. Like it, it's, it's wild to me that it didn't ever come out prior to this, that it, and I know you, you just express that same sentiment, but it's absolutely crazy that nobody ever came out with this info. Like even the fact, I didn't even know he owned 
massage parlors. Like I didn't either. <laughs> and I think that's by design, you know, but it, it's just a very, very bizarre well, story. No, because, because Eric, he actually didn't keep it a secret. He had the governor of Georgia and Johnny Hunt, the, the, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and some other big-name celebrities show up at the Javon Wellness Grand Opening and make ribbon-cutting speeches. So he didn't keep the spa secret. I mean, the video is right there, Javon Wellness Grand Opening. I encourage all your listeners to go, go check it out. It's creepy, right? It's like, what is going on here? This isn't some evangelist trying to dedicate his life to the gospel. There's some other agenda here. But but it is very odd that he did that, and he was a regular there, going into the massage booths with women. And whatever happened in the massage booths, one thing we know is that he went in the massage booths, and that did not stop a single person at his ministry. When he settled the Thompson lawsuit in December or November of 2017, he issued this 800-word press release saying, I've never in 16,000 days of marriage been unfaithful to my wife, Margie. And it's been long, I've long had the policy of not being alone with a woman in a car, in a restaurant, not anywhere. But people in his ministry knew that he was going and having long massages at his own massage spa. And not one of them said, Ravi, you can't say that because it's just false. Another case in point about institutional blindness and cowardice, right? How did he get away with that? His Christian colleagues didn't care to, to call him on it. There's a lot of people who are listening who maybe this is their first time kind of hearing this breakdown of the of the different spas and what was going on there. Um, and really might be some of it, they may honestly might not know anything about Ravi still. This might be the first time they've heard any of this. So as of where we're at now, you give a couple bullet points. Can you just kind of give us a sense for someone who maybe is not familiar at all with where, you know, what's come out the last couple of weeks, what we know so far, like, like what the, the current state of everything is with RZIM and, and Ravi. I know that's a really short answer, but uh, well, the, the, the really big thing that has come out is that RZIM, that's Ravi Zacharias International Ministries issued a statement on uh, December 23rd saying that, their law, the law firm they've hired has done an investigation and it's a preliminary investigation, but RZIM now believes that Ravi had engaged in quote, sexual misconduct, unquote, for quote, many years, unquote, and big drum roll that the quote, more serious, unquote, stuff is still to come. Mm. So what they're doing is they're giving this to us in pieces uh, we now know that even on their own account, he was sexually active with women over over many years, and that we're going to hear more serious stuff in the next installment. So that's really important. But if 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 I could have one wish about all this, I would hope that the Christian community, the Christian tribe, you guys tribe, doesn't view this as about Ravi. This is about the people who enabled Ravi, right? There's a culture that invites narcissists. Ravi was a classic narcissist. He had lots of the standard features, the standard, he met lots of the criteria for narcissist personality disorder. Churches and high intensity religious organizations encourage these kinds of people 
to take leadership roles. And if you provide opportunity for narcissists to thrive, you're going to have lots of narcissists come and thrive and then do their narcissist stuff. Don't act surprised when it happens and don't say, oh my God, I'm glad we discovered this about Ravi. What a bad person he was. No. Yeah. Whatever you say about Ravi, the system let it happen. And the mm-hmm. si- there's a bunch of Ravi Zacharias's waiting in the wings to fill his slot and they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be easy for them to do it the way the Christian evangelical business culture is right now. Right. It loves that kind of charismatic, suave, articulate man who can work a crowd. They, the people need to start waking up to uh, how they are enabling this. And that's what I really hope the message of the last five years of Ravi Zacharias revelations is for people. Right. Well, and I think that's my big takeaway the last couple couple weeks has been watching how RZIM, which is Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, um, which again, a, another sign of narcissism, he even named his own organization after himself. Uh, but again, looking at his organization, um, one one note that just blew me away is RZIM made a big point. We're going to investigate this. We're going to bring in a team to investigate. And and I've seen this happen with a lot of churches and colleges and schools. Um, and it's usually a smoke show. Like they're they're bringing in people who are either not real investigators, which happens often. They're not allowing them to get full access to the information they need. Uh, it's usually just PR. Um, you know, Bob Jones University in in uh, South Carolina uh, actually fired the investigators once they started finding too much and said, "Hey, just stop the investigation." Um, but RZIM, uh, one note that I had read is that uh, Miller and Martin, which is the investigative team that did it. Uh, they told Julie Roy's that RZM specifically excluded uh, the stuff that happened with Brad and Lori Thompson from the scope of the investigation uh, in the update. RZIM outright lied about this. Um, yeah. It, it, RZIM is still saving face. Like they're still here's, trying here's, to. Yeah. Go, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I was, I was just saying they're still trying to cover for what's happened in the past and just Absolutely. trying to, like you said, parse it out and say, yeah. here's a little bit here, a little bit there, and not dropping this bombshell, which is what they would have. And this is the, this is a really important point. RZIM has been up to its ears in covering up for Ravi, lying for Ravi. And this is well documented. I, I don't know how many of them knew about the spa stuff or what was going on. I yeah. can't say I can't say that. But they some of them knew he owned spas. Some of them knew he was going in and getting massages. They all had the evidence for the credential fraud. And anyone who wanted to take a careful look at the Thompson lawsuit would have known, would have known that it smelt really bad. So RZIM has been covering this up, and they're probably up to their ears in financial misconduct as well. Right. So there could be some serious head rolling um, at, at RZIM if the focus broadens to their own misconduct, right? So right now, I think they're feeling pretty comfortable having all the attention go on Robbie being a naughty boy section, right? Uh, And pretending to be shocked, shocked about this. But they've enabled it. And the whole organization just seems really suspicious the way they've dealt with their paperwork, the way they've they've kept the names of the board secret, the way they've uh, passed uh, laws, uh, internal laws, um, um, uh, giving them more secrecy about the way they're doing things. Um, there's probably a whole lot of behind the scenes 
RZIM stuff that they really don't want us to hear. And at this point, they're comfortable letting it all be on Ravi. Right. So I think that's what's going on. And I'm, I think there's some Christian journalists who are working on this. And I really hope we get to the bottom of how that organization actually operated as a business taking in tens of millions of dollars yeah. a year. Yeah, no, it's a very lucrative industry that they were in. Um, and yeah, there is, there's tons more coming out every, every day. Um, and uh, it's just shocking. It, it, there was one other story. We didn't have to dive into it, but I mean, there's one other story. Someone that came forward and said that as a young preacher, like he had forced or, or encouraged her strongly to have an abortion, um, you know, when she got pregnant by his brother, you know, there, there's all of these stories that it's just one after the other that's starting to to come out now that the dams burst. Yeah. The, the woman who did that, who had that experience, by the way, uh, her name's Shirley Stewart and she's absolutely courageous. And on the yeah. record, she wrote a, a detailed article about the whole thing. 16 years old, dating Ravi's brother, Ramesh got pregnant. This was a big crisis because it would make Ramesh was going to get ready to go off to college and become a doctor. Um, and this was going to make the f- bring shame to the Zacharias family. So they went and consulted older brother Ravi, who was a new newly ordained Christian Missionary Alliance minister. And according to Detective Stewart, now retired detective, um, he counseled very strongly that that uh, she have an abortion. And then the whole thing about this abortion is something people need to look at more because she recently decided she wanted to go back to the hospital and get the uh, medical records because she thinks the abortion had been arranged. She was 16 at the time. So there was questions about the legality Legality, that had been arranged by Ravi's wife and Ravi's wife's best friend who worked at that hospital. The hospital told her, sure, the records for that year are still here. Then they went and looked and the records were gone. So there's just something about this abortion story is a long time ago, but that we shouldn't take lightly. There, yeah. there could be, there could be really important stuff there. So I encourage some, I'm not going to be looking into it, but yeah. I hope someone does. Right. Um, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'll, I'll kind of move us to the end here, but I, I want to just ask two questions. One, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you've had a mix of responses to, even now, like a mix of responses of people saying you're attacking, you know, you're attacking Ravi, you're attacking. I've seen people saying, even to me retweeting it, you know, you're attacking someone who died. Uh, you're just trying to damage Christianity in general. Um, can you just talk about your reaction to some of the response that you've gotten, both positive and negative? And then the second part of that is just, what's your hope? I know you put out the book, you've done now five and a half years of research what's your goal in putting this out? And now, now that you're getting ready to kind of step away from it and just move on to other things, what do you hope happens as a result of the work that you've done thus far? Okay. Let me, let me take the first question first. Um, I have met some really wonderful people in Christian people in the course of the, the, the work I did Um, people who I'll probably be friends with for the rest of my life. I haven't, actually met any of them, but who are, who are cyber buddies and, and people I consider friends now. Um, but the the overarching impression I have when I look back on these five years is nasty, unthinking Ravi Zacharias fans spewing mm. vitriol. That's been a really depressing part of this. And I hope someday that some sociologist of religion will go through my YouTube channel and the Twitter and, or at least wherever, wherever the social media is, the, the, the comments are easiest to access. 
you'll see the great apologist of our time who prided himself on letting my people think. Mm. What are his followers like when they get into an argument about something important in social media trenches? They're nasty, ill-informed, incapable of reasoning, and vitriolic. And that's a really interesting thing. I'm not just talking about a handful. I'm talking about almost every single Ravi Zacharias defender I have encountered in the last five and a half years, with the exception of the last couple of months where there's been a shift in, in tone, almost without exception, they have been very sloppy thinkers, angry, critical people. Uh, and that is not something that we can just brush off as an aberration. I think that says something about the kind of people who would be attracted to Aravi Zacharias in right. the first place. And I think it's an important issue to look into. Um, uh, and your second question was, I think your second question is, what yeah. am I hoping? Uh, yeah, what are you of all, hoping? I'm hoping to step back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, what are you hoping to, I, I know you've put out the book, you've, you've done a lot of writing five and a half years of writing. Obviously you, you alluded to helping people think for themselves, but what's your goal for people who are now going to be retroactively looking at what you've done? They're trying to piece together all of this. What do you yeah. hope their, their takeaways are? Yeah. I hope that people realize that there's a systemic problem here. Um, people are being abused in churches um, people are being abused. I mean, hey, I'm not picking on Christianity and I'm not, um, I do not think that Christians need to question their faith because of this awful stuff that Ravi did. And, you know, right. You know, um, it, those are separate issues. But if you care about sex abuse, if you care about integrity, if you care about people being honest about their credentials, there's a huge lesson from Rob that Ravi Zacharias teaches us. And it's not about what a nasty, what a, what a naughty boy he was. It's about systemic problems in evangelical Christianity. It's too easy to call yourself a doctor when you're not, it's too easy to abuse women and then blame and have the old boy network huddle together and, um, and, and disparage and bully and, by the silence of the victims. This is just uh, a, a systemic problem and take it seriously. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's really powerful. And I think it's in alignment with kind of what I've tried to do in my corner of this with, with the and show. Thank you for that. Is, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just trying to get people to think about it, trying to look at what is causing this. People get mad about terms like systemic. People get mad about terms like, you know, the culture or the environment, but it all plays a factor. The reason that you see something happen more than once means that there's some system that allows it to happen, whether it's five people or 500, you know, a one-time anomaly is going to happen. You know, there's going to be times where you get a hundred people in a room and one of those people is a really bad person. But when you see a system that's pushing out, I just talked with someone today, she's one of six or seven victims from one church. There's something in that culture that's producing this. And uh, I, I think your work has been absolutely incredible and it's, it's a lot to digest, but I think there's a lot we can learn from it. And uh, I hope everybody listening will take time to go go to raviwatch.com, uh, pick up a copy of your book. It's, uh, I, I remember the, the last three words. It's uh, cover, oh, up cover Up in the Kingdom. Cover Up in the Kingdom, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, cover up in the kingdom. Uh, yeah. Just check out all the incredible work. There's been so much time put into this and uh, a ton of meticulous research. And it's well worth looking at, even if it's not just for you to understand the Ravi situation, to understand how to identify it when it starts happening somewhere else, because it will. Yeah, I, I would I would say, yeah, the the I, I hope people get the book and and just because Ravi's a great case study about a broader phenomenon. But I'll also say that there's some really good work coming out. You mentioned Chris before before we went live here, you uh or before we started taping, you mentioned Kristen Kristen Dumais um yeah. and her John Jesus and John Wayne. She's doing some really good work focusing on the culture that leads to this kind of macho stuff that lends itself to abuse. And then Jennifer Freyd, uh Jennifer Fry, F-R-E-Y. Hmm. Um, I think she's up at University of Oregon, um, has doing a lot of work on institutional betrayal and blindness and the kind of institutional and systemic pressures that come to bear on people so that they don't actually see stuff that's happening right before them. So this is a really good time to start paying attention to more than just uh, what some guy like Ravi Zacharias did uh, when nobody was looking. How did he get away with that? And how did so many prominent, educated Christians remain silent about it? And by the way, Eric, they're still remaining silent about it. As of today's date, I think, what is it, January 8th? I don't know a single nationally known Christian leader who's spoken out uh, or expressed concern about Ravi Zacharias. They're still waiting to see how the dust settles, see how the wind's blowing before they take a stand on what is clearly uh, ongoing uh, or a long-term situation of, of sexual abuse and, and deception. Right. Right. hundred percent. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on for just for, just for my own uh, question it, for Jennifer Frey. Um, is it a book or is she just writing through articles right now? Is She's specific- publishing a lot of material on uh, institutional, on betrayal, blindness, and uh, uh, and uh, I don't know if she's got a book out yet, but she's got a lot of articles um, that are available. If you just Google Jennifer Fry, F-R-E-Y, um, uh, Dr. Jennifer Fry, um, you'll see a lot of her stuff will come up. And I was actually um, recommended uh, to her work by Lorianne Thompson. Oh, okay becoming quite an authority on this stuff in her own right. So, right. Yeah. 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 So. No, definitely. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And again, everybody be sure to check the links to the show notes. We'll have links to all the materials we mentioned, but uh, Steve, thank you so much for taking time to talk about this and uh, hope you're able to step back pretty soon and, and take some time to rest from all this. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's been good to talk to you. We'll keep Absolutely. in touch. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.